0: Um, Just pray with me quickly, please. Holy Spirit, I come to you in just absolute, complete dependence this morning. You alone are the giver of life. You alone are the spirit of truth. And I ask that you drop your truth into our hearts this morning, Lord. I that you put the truth in my mouth and in my lips. That nothing that I say would come from the flesh or my own reasoning or thinking, but from you alone, so that we can direct our lives, Lord, according to your will. In the name of Jesus Christ. Please anoint me for this word, Lord. Amen. Good. Um, <clears throat> I have to sort of put out a, a warning before I start. Um, as I was going through this sermon, and as I was preparing this sermon, there were a few few moments where I actually thought to myself, "This is going to offend the flesh of some people." <laughs> this this message will offend your flesh. Flesh. Um, if it doesn't then probably it's not the truth. Um, so, if you feel something rising up inside of you, if you feel, feel the fence coming up, please bank it and take it to the Lord, but don't stop listening. <laughs> don't stop going along, um, because this is good news. This is the gospel. And the gospel is offensive to the flesh. Um, So yeah, we need to recap just a bit, um, because many people were not here last week. So uh, we started moving through Philippians, the the letter to the Philippians, and uh, last week we did Philippians 2, um, not the whole of it, just verses 1 to 11, uh, where basically Paul says that we must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, in that even though he He was God, even though he had the fullness of God, even though he was equal to God. He didn't cling on to that equality, but he gave it all up. He put it aside. He set it aside and he underwent a transformation and metamorphosis where literally it would be the same as one of us turning from a man into a slug. It's like a total different being. He became a total different being for our sakes and he took on the form of a slave. Now a slave cannot do anything of himself. He doesn't decide for himself what to do. He doesn't work towards himself. He doesn't work towards his own desires. He has only one desire and that is to please his master. So that is the form Jesus Christ underwent and we looked into the life of Jesus Christ and and actually what kind of servant he was and hopefully it inspired us to, to undergo that same transformation. But the problem is that none of us can do this out of ourselves. We cannot become a slave of God. We cannot become a slave of truth. We cannot become a slave of righteousness, as Paul calls us many times in his letters, without first undergoing the metamorphosis of going from the man of Adam, the man born in sin, through rebirth, to now become a son born of God. It is impossible to do that. It's impossible to, to really be who we are supposed to be in God. It's impossible for us to be Christ like or God like or godly, like the word calls us to live, without going or undergoing that complete transformation and metamorphosis. So that's what we saw last week Um, and we, we also read a verse 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 4 says by his divine power God has given us everything we need pertaining or everything we need for living a godly life. We have received we have received all of this by coming to know him. So by accepting Jesus Christ and coming intimately to know God, we have received what we need for a godly life. Um, Coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So we've got nothing to do with becoming like God except for accepting who he is and accepting him in our lives, all right? And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature. This is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. That God has enabled me to share His divine nature. If you are truly a believer, if you are truly a Christian, you can no longer say, I'm only human. At the same time, I must tell you that I repent all the time, every day, for my humanity <laughs> sorry for thinking this way sorry for thinking about that sorry for treating people this way this is my humanity still wanting to rise up out of the ashes but god has placed his divine nature inside of us and no one stands if he's truly in christ with the excuse that i'm only human God has given us His nature. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We've got an escape from our humanity. We've got an escape from that thing inside of us that wants to glorify itself, that wants to to say, look at me first, that wants to say, what about me? That wants to say, how dare you speak to me like that? So last week we spoke about this thing between pride and humility. And how pride is the thing inside of us that always makes us measure other people. That always one, makes us measure even other Christians. And we, we say that, you know, I'm a good Christian and he's a bad Christian. Have you ever heard people speak about someone say, yes, owes a good Christian. Yeah. Ne? Who's good? Who's a good Christian and who's a bad Christian? If we measure people according to who's good and bad... That thing, that's pride operating. And we read a few scriptures from C.S. Lewis, that's brilliant, last week, that said basically um, that if you feel in any way that you are doing something good, especially better than others, he says, then that's not God working in you, but the devil. So that's what Philippians 1, <clears throat> verse 1 to 11, basically brings us to. We spoke about pride and we spoke about humility. And the only way that we could live in humility, the only way that we could, that we could truly, humbleness and humility is not having, and we said this last week, a low self-esteem or a low think of yourself. That is not humility. Actually, the truth is that if you have a low self-esteem, if you have a low thinking of yourself, It's pride, because it means you are constantly measuring yourself up to other people and wanting to be to that level. In other words, it's pride. And in C.S. Lewis, another quote we looked at last week said that, that if you truly come into the presence of God, the result would be either that you would forget about yourself completely or you would see yourself as a filthy little object. And then he says, it's better to just forget about yourself. And he's not putting anybody down. He's showing us that as soon as we measure ourselves up to people, as soon as we, 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 we play this game of who's good and who's bad and who's up there and who's down there, it's nothing other than pride and it's the devil working. That is why Jesus said that you shall not judge. Because judgment comes from pride. All right? So now we're going to carry on with um, Philippians 2. But before we carry on, this thing has to be this truth that we, that, that pretty much that we are nothing without God. That we are nothing, there is no good in us. It has to be set in our hearts like a like a like a foundation on which you build the rest of your Christian life, because without that, it's impossible to do what we are going to discuss right now. It's impossible to, to move in the Christian life and become a godlike Christian, or 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 like um, like C. S. Lewis calls them little Christians running around. Or little Christs. It's impossible to be like Christ. If we still think that we have something to offer God from ourselves. It seems like a bit of a paradox. And it's completely um, in enmity with what the world teaches its completely against now this whole human rights move this world is on and which many churches are getting involved with of you know lifting people up and their rights up and you can be whatever you want and you can decide now if you are this or that or that and if you decide that then we will have to support you because that's your right it's against the bible it's against the word of god Jesus himself said this thing. And I was supposed to say this later, but I'll say it now. He himself said, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate, said this thing. He says, I can do nothing without the Father. Apart from Him, I am nothing. So who are we to want to be somebody? To want to be someone that has our own rights looked after? it's not the Christian life, Christian life says love your enemy, the Christian life says treat others better than yourself, esteem others higher than yourself, all right, so let's carry on, Philippians 2 verse 12 to 16, so then my dear friends, So then means, because of what I've just explained, because of what I've just said, because you must follow the example of Christ, because you have now taken humility into your heart and you understand how to live in humility. So then, because of that, on the basis of that, on the foundation of that. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, continue working out your salvation in awe and reverence and other other translation says fear and trembling working out your salvation in fear and trembling for the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort this is very important the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God all right Then he goes on, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without blemish, though you live in a crooked and perverse society. Once again, he says, this is the call of the Christian. This is what we are supposed to look like, blameless and pure children of God without blemish. When the world sees us, this is what they must see. Not mediocre people who compromise with all kinds of things. I actually want to preach on that like the whole day, but but this is not the message for today. I have already done that, preached on, on mediocrity. By holding on to the word of life so that on the day of Christ I will have a reason to boast that I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. So today I want to discuss this thing. What does it mean to work out your salvation in fear and trembling? We've heard many things, many people say different things about working out your salvation. I've heard people yes, um, in Afrikaans, we say, Jy moet jou uitwerk. say, Elke sy uitwerk. Every guy must like, work out his own salvation. And then the nuance in that is, like, whatever you believe, you must do, and then that will be right. That is not what the Bible says. And that is not what working out your salvation means. We are not supposed to figure out Christianity for yourselves. And then, you know, this is a, this is a, a mixing of, of um, what is this new move now? Uh, I'm not going to say now because I'm going to say it wrong. <clears throat> Anyways, we're not supposed, you know, you know, this thing going, especially with the young guys. As het recht voel, dan is het recht. En as ek gelood is recht, dan is het recht. Want so lang, so lang ek dit is recht. Nee, it's not like that. Ek pik nie op julle nie. <laughs> what this word actually means, the Greek word, working out, that Paul uses here. Yeah, he uses many other times as well. And I'm going to use a few references. But it literally says that you must bring forth. Produce. Like a tree produces fruit. Something that comes out. That is being planted on the inside. To bring that forth. Bring forth the truth and the reality of your salvation. In fear and trembling. In otherwise that which God has put inside of you. Must come out. That is working out of salvation. So he uses it many times in Romans 4. Um, 15. He says the law works out. Or the law produces wrath. And in Romans 5. Uh, 3. He says this beautiful thing. He says Suffering produces, works out, brings forth. Suffering, the seed of suffering, produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That's something that our Christians need to listen to as well. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through bad stuff. We don't want to have trials and tribulations in this world. So many churches are full these days where the messages that come to Jesus and you will, especially, very like many African churches, come to Jesus, and you will be blessed, and you will, and the, the pastore hit mansions in karre in all the other hand. They call it the prosperity teaching. And no one, there is not one preach that says, "Suffer with Jesus Christ," and those who suffer with Him will receive His glory. Romans 5:18 to 19 says "For I will not dare to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in order to bring about same word order to bring about obedience in the Gentiles in other words this message of the gospel the message of Jesus Christ is supposed to bring about obedience and not lasciviousness and not Uh, the, the gospel is not a key to living the way you want and saying I'll be good anyways because Jesus has made me good. All right? He has made us good. He has made us holy and blameless and beyond reproach by the washing of His blood. That is what has been done. But now Paul says, that must be now worked out in you. That must flow from you. And if it doesn't, then we must ask the question, Is His seed really in us? Am I really born again? Or did I just just learn what a good Christian looks like? And I try my best to do it. And I try my best to get it right. And then I get tired of trying to do it right. And then someone offends me and then I leave the church. Or is the seed of Christ inside of me? All right. Just one more verse, just as a reference to this. 2 Corinthians um, 7, verse 9 and 10 says, Now I rejoice not because you were made sad, but because you were made sad to the point of repentance. See, Paul wrote them a letter because they were a naughty church. And he wrote them a letter rebuking them. And the message got to Paul that this letter really saddened the people. He offended the flesh. And he says, I'm glad that you were sad, but I'm not glad that I made you sad for sadness sake. I'm glad I made you sad because it produced in you repentance. And that is what the word of God is supposed to do in our lives. The word of God is supposed to produce in us repentance and a life of godliness. Not all the verses that says I can do what I want. I, I don't know why I'm on that tangent this morning. For you were made sad as God intended so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For sadness as intended by God produces repentance that leads to salvation. Leaving no regret. But worldly sadness brings about death. So die totale vers, 2 Korinthiers 7 vers nine ten, Now I rejoice, not because you were made sad, but because you were made sad to the point of repentance. For you were made sad as God intended, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For sadness as intended by God produces repentance that leads to salvation, leaving no regret, but worldly sadness brings about death. So hier die wat ek sien. uit hierdie hierdie verse uit, as ek hierdie verse lees, in ons, in elke persoon wat hergebore is, en Jesus vergelyk ons baie keer ook met, met een boom, nie, he who, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit, unless you are planted and grafted into me, you cannot be fruit, ok, so Jesus sê hierdie sale ding in, in sy, sy gelijkenissen. As ons die saad van God is, en as ons die saad van God in ons het, dan wat is die potentieel van jou en van my? Om te kan uitdra. What is the potential of what we can carry out? What is the potential of what we can produce as a Christian? Godliness. Complete, complete godliness. The problem is that we have to make up our minds to fulfill that potential and to live towards and strive towards fulfilling that potential. Will we make mistakes along the way? for Gaan die vlees nou en dan in wat Yes. Especially when we don't look after our health, when we don't look after our sleep, when we don't look after our mental health, when we feed ourselves with all kinds of worldly stuff, then that stuff will come out easily. But when we feed ourselves with the right food, it's like feeding plants with. But if I feed it with the right stuff, it will grow and blossom beautifully. 1 John 1 9 and 10 says, Everyone who has been fathered by God does not practice sin because God's seed resides in him. And thus he is not able to sin because he has been fathered by God. Who's your daddy? Who is your father? If you are a reborn Christian, if you are reborn, you are no longer Adam's son. In other words, you can no longer say, I'm just born in sin. Because you underwent the metamorphosis, you underwent the transformation. And that transformation says that you are now a son of God. You are born of God and you have his seed inside of you. And what is the purpose of seed? Reproduction. The purpose of seed is to become a flower and a fruit. So we cannot have the seed of God inside of us and not become like God. And we cannot, and now that, the the amplified, just for a bit of a clarification, because we all still sin, we all still do things wrong. I'm the first one to put up my hand and says, actually, yes, two days ago, Thursday, no yesterday Friday I just woke up naughty I just woke up and and I didn't realize it and then all of a sudden you know the kids are all over me and stuff in the morning and wants to hang on and and all of a sudden I felt like irritated by this I felt like something's not right and I got to work and I just realized and I don't understand this because it's it's not like it's not who I am, it's not you know but it's still, the flesh sometimes wants to come up because we've had a few late nights, and actually the previous night I had bad dreams and it had me wake up and go through the home and all that stuff. i actually dreamt someone was in the house and stuff breaking. And I actually literally heard the things breaking, and so I went and looked So I had a bad night, but then I woke up badly. So the flesh wants to come out. And then I go and I repent to someone. I say, Listen, just you know, this is, I'm struggling with this. And my wife, I say, said to my wife, listen, I don't know what's going on. Because I actually snapped at her as well, just for no reason. I said, I don't know what's going on. This is it's not it's not me, it's just you know, and I repented towards her. And as I repented towards her, as I said sorry and all that, things started moving into place again. Repent towards God. So the flesh wants to come out. But the, the word says, the, the Amplified actually makes it very clear. He says, those who have been fathered by God does not habitually practice sin. In other words, do not live in sin. You do not make life choices and life decisions that are outside the will of God. You, you are not rebellious against the will of God. But we all know we can still all make mistakes. And then once again the pride in us wants to go and say, "Ooh, yet het meer And thus he is not able to sin because he has been fathered by God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. In Jesus' words, by this you will know by their fruit. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Everyone who does not practice righteousness. In other words, first, once again, habitually practice life, lives a life of righteousness, makes decisions of righteousness, makes decisions that are in the will of God. The one who does not love his fellow Christian is not of God has not been born of God. Why does he need to say that? Because even in that time, even with them in the early church, there were what he calls imposters in the church. People coming in and acting all righteously and religiously and good. James also talks about this. And he says, unless the fruit of righteousness is produced within you, You are not truly a son of God. That which habitually, that which you want to live your life according to, should be the righteousness and the will of God. So God's seed resides within us. And that is the potential that is in you and me. And we have to realize that. And the beautiful and wonderful thing, and that is the gospel, is that God put it in us. We cannot go anywhere. We cannot make any kind of sacrifice. We cannot do anything right or anything enough or be good enough to attain the seed of God. It is because Christ Jesus gave himself for us. What did he say? He said in John 19, I think he says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot produce fruit. And he was speaking of himself. But if it dies, it will produce a hundred and a sixty and a hundred and whatever fault of fruit. And he was speaking of himself. We just sang and I asked that we should think of where would we be without Jesus. The reality is we would be without the seed of God inside of us. We would be without any form of potential to be a righteous man, to be a holy and a blameless man. Now he says, work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So we've seen that workout is is to produce what God has placed inside of you. But now he goes and he turns around and he brings us almost like a paradox. Do it in fear and do it in trembling. Now how on earth, why? Why should we produce our our godly lives? Why should we be Christian or God-like in fear and trembling? And I think it has to do with two things. It has to do, firstly, with who God is, our realization of the greatness of God, and secondly, our realization of what exactly it is that He has put in us, the weight of His seed in us. See, if we truly, truly understand what He has made us, If we truly understand the new creation that we have been made, we would be in fear of God and in awe of God. And not willing to mess it up or wanting to mess it up, even for one moment, for one second. So to fear God, I think, to be honest, it's something that, to a large extent, the modern church has lost. I think if there's one thing, let's not talk about the motives. I mean that the, for the in the basically like the Catholic Church, people feared. I'm going to say God. The God that they preach, um, because they were scared of purgatory and they were scared of you know all these places that that you would go if you if you are not. Let's just surmise it like that. There, there were all kinds of other reasons people feared the Lord other than knowing Him and being revealed who He is. I remember when I was a child, I, I, I feared going to hell. That was my reason for being a good boy. I said, stotis, can can he help me? But I had no idea who God is. I had no idea of the greatness and the magnificence and the revelation of God. So I didn't fear God. I feared the consequences of my actions based on what I've been taught or taught about the wrath of God. But I had no understanding of who He is. So inside of me there was no true motive to be a good person. Only fear, but the wrong kind of fear. The fear that produces death. Then there is the fear of what you have been given. And the only way that I can relate to that really in, a, in, in our terms is I remember having my first daughter in my hands for my first time. And I look at this little body. And a fear came over me of the weight of this life that has been handed to me. The potential that's in this child, the the whole life that God has planned out for her. And a fear came over me and said, what if I mess this up? What if I mess up what God has given me? What if I don't do this right? And then you realize it's only by God. It's only by His grace. It's only by His doing that we could possibly be good parents. No one could be good parents out of themselves because children that vat die om te goeie te wees. And it's only by God. And it's the same with what God has placed in us. If God has placed his seed in us, his character in us, his potential. In other words, if you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you look at how he was, you look at how he related to people, you look at how he manifested the kingdom of God, that is inside of us. And we should be in fear and trembling to not realize that. Because one day, Jesus taught this about the five talents. That's what he was speaking about. He says there was a man, a rich man, who brought three people and he gave each of them talents according to their potential. And to one he gave five, to the other one he gave two, and to one he gave one. And the one with five doubled, the one with two doubled, and the one with one buried his talent. And then the man came back and the two said, I've doubled it. And Jesus said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the other one came. He says, what have you done? And he says, I know that you are, uh, uh, um, what do you word? You don't take nonsense. <laughs> and I was scared that I would mess this up. I was scared that I'd mess up what you have given me. So I rather went and I buried it so that I could give it back to you. And he says, move away from me, you wretched man. And he took it away from him and he gave it to the other one. Now, here's the thing. There's a good fear and there's a bad fear. There's a fear that leads us to repentance. There's a fear that leads us to godliness. There's a fear that leads us into action. And then there's a fear that paralyzes. And the fear that paralyzes comes from the devil. And the fear that motivates us comes from God. And if we are motivated by doing wrong, if we are motivated by going to hell, if we are motivated by not getting the, the, the blessings of God or, or motivated by not receiving something from God so that we trying to do good, then that's from the devil. If we are motivated by a revelation of the awe of God and who He is and we want to please Him with everything we have and everything we are, that is from Him and that will motivate us into action. That will motivate us to be good, Christ-like people. Not because we are scared of a tick on the fingers, but because we want to please our Lord. That's how Jesus worked. So we need to do a little bit of thinking about ourselves and say, why are we doing and why are we living like we do? Am I living out of fear? See, there's the thing about the devil is if he can get you to bury your talent out of fear for doing something wrong, He's won. He's done exactly what he wants to do. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't even want you in hell. He hates you. He doesn't want you close to him. All he wants to stop is you expanding the kingdom of God. All he wants to do is keep you away from God because he's jealous of your relationship with God. And if he can do that through fear of being wrong or fear of doing the wrong things or fear of not being enough. He's one. God gave some five, He gave some two, and He gave some one. And God doesn't care about whether He's getting ten back or four back or two back. All He cares about is you growing in godliness, growing in what He has given you, growing in in living out and producing, working out your salvation. And then he says, to those who have been given much more will be given. See, if I see my one as something that God has given me, if I see my one as something that is, that is still carrying the weight of the fullness of God, it will be good for God. He doesn't measure and say, that guy gave 100,000 and that guy gave 10 rand. Nee, wat het Jesus vroukie wat gebring het she's given more than the other guy only bringing a portion but it was much more in human terms all right trembling work out your salvation in fear and trembling now the amplified puts this very 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 nicely he says work out cultivate carry out to the goal And fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. Now listen to what he says. Trembling is self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidity shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Work out your salvation. Produce what God has put inside of you. But watch out. The heart is more deceiving than all things. You can think that you are doing good. You can think that this is all right that what you're doing. You can think that once again, if pride comes in, I measure myself up to the guy there. And then I feel like I'm good. Once again, Jesus said. Someone came to him and called him good teacher. They stopped the guy. He says, Why are you calling me good? Jesus Christ, why are you calling me good? Only the Father is good. Humility. If we can just realize that, if we can look at each other and say, You know what? Only the Father is good. We will stop measuring each other and ourselves. And we'll start living as free and loving children of God. Not wanting someone to, um, to earn our goodness. Not wanting someone to, to, to earn to, to be in our good books or to be invited to our homes or whatever. Only God is good. I met a guy at a conference. Um, he was one of the speakers... And I'm, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but he got very sick. He, um, he went surfing and caught a wave wrong and literally um, ruptured his, one of his spines, stuff, whatever. So he was in tremendous pain. So he went for surgery, and while he was in the hospital in ICU, They didn't know they brought someone in the bed next to him and that person had COVID. So on top of that, he got COVID. So he was lying at home in his bed with COVID. And uh, he tells a story, says, one day the Lord just randomly came into his room and started showing him everything in his life that he has done wrong. Everything, every wrong motive, everything. But the result of that was the Lord broke something in his heart. And the the word says, he who has a broken and contrite spirit. He came to the point where he realized, I'm leading a church. I'm a lead pastor of a church. But there is nothing good in me. I cannot depend on myself to lead these people. There is nothing good in me. It is only God. That is good. And from that realization, from the moment that revelation came into his heart, the Holy Spirit started to work through him in amazing and beautiful and mighty ways because he got himself out of the way. Paul calls us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling because it is easy for us to come once again to the point And say, oh, I've got this. I've got this Christian life. I can do this. Man, it's easy. I can be a godly man. I can, you know what? But we've realized it's easy to fall. Pride comes before the fall. And as I was thinking about this, um, I relate this to marriage. We've had many, many, many friends. Who love the Lord love the Lord and then one day all of a sudden the marriage falls apart one day all of a sudden this guy or this woman or this whatever had a random affair so we made a decision in our marriage (laughs) we made a decision and we looked each other in the eye and we told each other that not one of us is immune to the temptations of this world when it comes to marriage. Not one of us is immune. Any one of us can fall any moment when it comes to our marriage or anything else. But because we said that to each other, because we realize that and recognize that, we are watchful in everything. So we have put boundaries like rocks around our marriage and around ourselves. We've put boundaries because I know that I cannot trust myself and she knows that she cannot trust herself. What does that say? In distrust, in self-distrust. See, the moment we feel that we've got this Christian thing down, we we haven't got it down. Because it is God who wills and works in us and empowers us to do according to His will and pleasure. We cannot have this down. Not in your own strength. In the Amplified. Not in your own strength. For it is God who who is all the while actually at work in you. See, I hope today that we can go home and possibly we've had a bit of a, a upset of the flesh coming when I, when I say things like, you can do nothing of yourself. You can't be good. You can't be, can't be a good Christian. The flesh wants to say, yes, I can. <laughs> That's what religion is based on all religions and especially and also some christian religions is based on this one thing that i can attain goodness through what i do and how much i do and the effort i put in but it is impossible and that will create and it will create pride that is where paul says he says that is where the, the, the knowledge of the letter comes in he says it puffs up it makes you proud it makes you boastful But when we come to the realization that that I must be watchful in myself, I must distrust myself, I can put a foot wrong any moment. So every single moment of my Christian life, every single day, every single meeting, every single person I meet has to be guided by this one thing. I must submit myself to the love and the power of the Holy Spirit and God inside of me to be able in any way to reflect God. It is only in realizing this. It is only in realizing that I have nothing inside of myself to give the world. I have nothing inside myself to give God. I have nothing in myself to give the kingdom of God apart from the seed of God inside of me. That I can truly be free to go and expand the kingdom of God. I love playing golf. Johan also loves playing golf. Now you will agree with me that you'll only play your best golf if you get yourself out of the way. If you get your mind and the mechanics and what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it out of the way. I read a golf psychology book and it talks about playing unconscious golf. Then you will start playing the best golf of your life. And it's exactly the same with Christianity. exactly the same with expanding the kingdom of God. If we would only get ourselves out of the way, forget about ourselves, forget about how someone sees how we're doing something, forget about how good we're doing, forget about how much we're doing, forget about if it's good enough for God, we will start living a beautiful and wonderful and free and fruitful Christian life if you want to work out our salvation in fear, if you want to work out our salvation, it has to be with the mindset that I cannot do it from myself. It is only God who does it. It is only Him who can do it through me and inside of me. So I want to end off, and maybe it's necessary for for some of us, this morning to recognize that we've been trying on our own. That we've been trying to produce the fruit of righteousness apart from the seed of God inside of us. Maybe we started off that way, but then we started measuring ourselves. Problem is, when we measure ourselves, we'll always, always, always find ourselves wanting. There will always be someone better, or that does it better, or differently, or always. For me, I believe that's the basis of depression. It's a mindset of always measuring yourself up, and always finding yourself wanting, and then not feeling good about yourself. And then you try and lift yourself up again and then you don't feel good about it. You lift yourself up and it's like this literally, your kop is literally so wired now. But you can be free from that if you get out of your own way. <laughs> Just close your eyes for a moment. I don't know, I feel I have to, I'm, um, I have to create the opportunity if you're not sure that you are born of God if you're not sure that you have undergone this metamorphosis and that God has taken the seed of corruption from you and placed His seed inside maybe it's time that you should surrender yourself to God and say Father, I'm tired of trying on my own. I'm tired of, try, tired of doing this on my own. I surrender myself to Your Son, Jesus Christ. And I believe that when He gave His life on the cross, that I died with Him on the cross, according to Romans 6. And when He was resurrected, I was resurrected with Him, a Son of God, born of God. With his seed inside of me. Maybe even see him planting his seed inside. Beautiful thing is the word says that that seed is uncorruptible seed. Uncorruptible seed. The world cannot contaminate it. He has freed you from the corruption of this world. And if like I've had to do the past two weeks, if you're in that place where where you sort of started off good, but you've gone back into, into pride, into measuring yourself, into feeling good about your accomplishments as a Christian, don't you want to just say to God, I can do nothing apart from you? I have nothing good in me. Lord, I repent for thinking that I've had anything to give apart from you, Lord. I lay my life down to you, Lord. I give myself as an empty vessel for you to fill me up. I give myself as an empty vessel for you to use as you will to expand your kingdom in this world. And that is your grace, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, that is grace. <clears throat> we sang, this is amazing grace." And the message of grace has become, in many places, that God has done everything, washed you clean, all that when He looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus, so you can go on and do what you want. That's not grace. Grace is energizing and creating in you the power and desire to do the will of God. His seed in us is grace. Amen.